You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Well, we have two scripture readings for you all this morning, but fortunately they are both a little on the shorter side. First, we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Galatians, chapter 3, starting in verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And our second scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, starting in verse 36. Hopefully this might sound a little familiar to you. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thanks be to God for these scriptures. Well, this month we've been focusing on the power of words in our lives and the world around us. Words are a powerful tool that give us voice. They give us a sense of agency in our lives, an ability to connect with those around us. But words can also be a weapon. More often than not, words can be used to put others down, to harm someone's spirit and their emotions. And honestly, when thinking about the power our words have, I often want to change the age-old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, to something a little more accurate. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words also hurt me. Because the fact of the matter is, our words are powerful and they can hurt other people, whether we intend them to or not. So we need to work to use our words as a tool for loving one another, rather than a weapon that hurts others. And so you might be thinking, well, Megan, yes, I understand this, but how? And that is a great question. I am so glad all of you asked. The simple answer to that question is that we make a commitment to learning, to finding ways to be more inclusive with our language, to learning about how people are referring to themselves, how they're standing up for themselves against jokes that are more harmful than they are funny, or even just retraining our brains to genuinely react with, I am so sorry, thank you for that correction, I'll do better next time rather than being defensive and saying, I didn't mean to, oh no, oh, just saying, I'm so sorry. Thank you for correcting me. 
Because the fact of the matter is, our society is changing. It's scary, I know. But with that change, our language is also changing and evolving. And people are finding their voices. They're speaking out for themselves and calling out harmful language that's been used, calling out harmful jokes that have been said at their expense, and pushing for a more loving and inclusive society. And this evolution, this change that we're experiencing, requires everyone to be open to change and open to learning. And there are a variety of sources that you can go to for this learning. If you read in Connections this week, there were two links that are a great starting point for reading up on pronouns and why pronouns are important, and also different ways that we can refer to our disabled siblings in Christ that are more how they want to be referred to using person-first language rather than disability-first language. These are many of the steps that we can take to show our allyship and show our love for others. And there are also several books that you can check out and read for all ages. We have Demystifying Disability, which is an, um, a book more for college age and adults that goes over the history of disability and ways that we can be more accessible, more inclusive in the ways that we are talking to and with our siblings in Christ who are disabled. We also have What Are Your Words, which is a children's storybook all about pronouns, the different pronouns that are being used, why they're being used, why they're important. And we have a quick and easy guide to they, them pronouns. This is a book written in the comic book style, geared more towards middle schoolers, preteens, high schoolers, those in that age group that enjoy that. These are just some of the few ways that we can take that step in learning and making a choice to love others through our learning and through our choices to try to do better. And you see, by making this effort to learn how people choose to identify, to be respectful of their choices, especially when that choice different, is different from the norm or calls out a harmful stereotype, that is one of the best ways that we can show our love. And this choice to love and respect comes with the full acknowledgement that the other person knows themselves best because they are the ones living in their bodies. And oftentimes when I talk to people about the importance of using someone's preferred pronouns, learning more about why someone uses person-first language in regards to their disability, why they use specific language for their nationality or their um, preferred sexual sexuality, I'm also met with some version of this question, but what if it's just a fad? Insinuating that this new eruption of taking agency over the way you're referred to isn't permanent, that something will fade away with time and it will be replaced by another fad that we have to learn. And while I could argue about how language has always been evolving, how we've evolved from Shakespearean English to modern English, how jazz music paved the way for rock and roll, which paved the way for pop punk, so was jazz music just a fad? No matter which facet I try to spin in my head to help people see things in a different light, at the end of the day, I just want to scream this passage from Matthew 22 at people. Just love your neighbors. Whether this is easy or difficult, that is what we're called to do. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
on these two commandments hang everything. And I don't know about you, but often when I hear this verse, I think about the tangible ways that I can love my neighbor, the ways that I can be the hands and feet of Christ in this world and do mission work that shows my love for my neighbor. But as I think about it more, as I watch my friends struggle with people deadnaming them or purposefully misgendering them or talking to their caretaker instead of looking them in the eyes and talking to them, as I see them get hurt over and over and over again by people's words, I'm reminded that our ability to love our neighbor as ourself is not just an extension of our actions, but it's an extension of our words. And while I could continue to stand up here and blabber at you about the importance of our words, what words we should use, et cetera, et cetera, I think it's going to be much more powerful to hear from Betsy Erickson about some of her experiences with this exact thing. Betsy? Good morning, friends. Friends, over the past six years, I have been on a journey with my oldest child, and it's been transformational for both of us. My oldest child is transgender. This realization started to evolve when my child entered their teenage years, and they began to feel uniquely and discordantly and quite horribly uncomfortable in their own body. Now, teenage years aren't easy for anyone. And at first, I wasn't really sure why my child was struggling. But my understanding crystallized when my child asked me to use a new name and new pronouns for them. When my child was born, I gave them a female name, a feminine name. But they wanted a gender-neutral name and they wanted gender-neutral pronouns. And friends, I felt unprepared and lost. God's love was a place that I found direction. The passage that Megan quoted earlier, Galatians, chapter 3, verses 27 through 28, teaches us. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. And there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. So friends, I honored my child's request. And at first, using they, them pronouns, it felt uncomfortable for me. And I messed it up a lot. But using those pronouns and my child's chosen name showed them that I trust them to know who they are. And I respect them as their own independent person. One of the things that I learned, or I should say I really relearned during this transition, is the power of the words that we use to name each other. I name you friends in recognition of the love and support that I've received from this church. 
And when Megan gives us the benediction every Sunday, she names us beloveds because we are the beloved children of God. Pronouns are equally important naming words. Try using the wrong pronoun for yourself. Like Betsy, he's speaking to us in church this morning. And it feels wrong, like it felt for my child. Friends, we are called to love each other. And to love each other, we have to know each other. And to know each other, we have to see each other for who we are. And so when my child needed my help, that's where I started. Seeing my child for who they are, not for who I thought they were. Knowing my child as their sense of self began to change so I could love my child through their transition. Now, I put a lot of work into the name that I chose for my child. It was classic and strong and beautiful, and because I'm a planner, it was suitable for professional use. <laughs> and this was important to me. My child's name invoked light, the light of my joy at being their parent, and the light of God's love. My child left this name behind in their transition. We don't use it anymore. We don't even say it anymore. And instead, we use the name that they chose, Orion. And they chose this name inspired by the constellation and its connection to Greek mythology, which they love. But through their change, Orion kept their connection to light, to the light of my joy, to the light of God's love. It's not the gentle light that I originally thought it was. Instead, it's the powerful and elemental light of the stars. And friends, I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you. Beloved, whether or not you believe that this is all just a fad, whether or not you understand all the terminology or not, I hope you walk away today with a renewed spirit to try and learn. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I hope you choose love, to choose language that reflects love, to choose actions that reflect love, to choose loving everyone you meet, because that is our ultimate calling, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. <laughs>